Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbard. And I'm Devin Saylor. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the Endless Mountains. Well, hey, it's that time of the month and uh, it's time for Eco News. I think we skipped last month, right? Yeah, yeah. We were kind of busy with the Mythbusters episodes, Um, but Eco News is back and we're ready to go. So... How about you get started with the first article? All right. So I found an article that I think is kind of cool for the winter here. So I found that penguin feathers might actually be the secret to effective anti-icing technology. Wow. All right. Tell me more. (laughs) So what I found is because they were kind of getting concerned about like power lines and um, some like wind turbines always getting iced up in the winter. So I wanted to find a way that they could maybe combat that. So they took a look at some Gentoo penguins that swim through the water, the ice-cold waters, and they always seem to never get filled up with ice. So they looked at their pelts, and they actually found that the way that their pelts are designed, uh, the arrangement of feathers is what actually gives the anti-icing technology with, like, they have barbed surfaces on the feathers, so that way all the the water kind of just won't stick to it and won't ice up. Okay, so it's not a chemical, it's no. the way the feathers are arranged and yeah. the texture of the feathers. Yep. Okay. So they were able to kind of replicate this with a laser machined woven wire mesh that they can wrap around power lines, the wind turbines, and because it has so many pores on it, the way that the water soaks into it and all to the, into all the pores, it actually like goes in, freezes last in those pores, and when it freezes it cracks. So it's actually super easy to get the ice off. So it's not necessarily preventing the ice, but making it easier to clean the ice off of okay. the things. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's called biomimicry. Okay. Right, where um, yeah. they look at nature and see how nature's doing it. Kind of replicate or mimic that technique. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah, and they're hoping maybe eventually they'll be able to get it into aircrafts, not necessarily that mesh wrapped around them but maybe just redesigning the surface of aircrafts to have more of like those pores to help with the anti-icing okay yeah cool chemical free so that's always good for the environment that is yeah i like that too all right well it's christmas time and i found the article that relates to christmas pretty well there we go and maybe some people have struggle with this we'll see uh, but the article mentions that christmas trees are in short supply this year i never would have guessed that um seems like the last couple of years i've heard like uh you know dramatic articles about oh you better your christmas tree you know it's gonna there's gonna be a shortage um so i wanted to look into that and of course i found an article right away mm-hmm. um so this article is actually from a boston tv station Oh, wow. Uh, but there are several available. I just picked one. Um, so they mentioned that experts mentioned that um, Christmas tree shortage actually has its roots in the Great Recession. Um, that was all the way back in 2008. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where they mentioned that it came from. So they said money was tight back then. Many consumers, they trimmed back on holiday decorations, including trees. Um, so that meant less money for the farmers to invest in planting new trees. Um, so it was a domino effect, more or less. They also mentioned that Christmas trees nationwide have actually been 
in tight supply since 2016. And then to kind of exacerbate the problem, um, there's a drought this year in the Northeast. And of course, you know, we know about the, um, the fuel crisis yep. or, you know, the, the amount or the price of fuel. Um, so that's also not helped. So not only is there a bit of a shortage because of all those things, but also a price increase as well. Yep. Um, I did notice that this year I, I got a tree and um, the price definitely went up. Yeah. So I think the place where we got it used to be 25. Uh, we didn't get it from that place last year because they ran out of trees. Uh, mm -hmm. Go figure. But then the, this year we came back and it went to $40. So. Wow, that's a big jump. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I brought $40 with me. So... Um, but yeah, so all those things kind of contributed to the rising prices and the shortage of trees. Um, I did want to make mention that Pennsylvania actually uh, ranks number four nationally, numbers of acres of Christmas trees. So we're right up there towards the top. Yeah. Um, and also number three for the number of farms. And that was according to 2017 Agricultural Census by um, the USDA. I do see a lot of like the small family Christmas tree farms around anymore. Yeah. Not like huge acreage, but mm -hmm. so that's good. Yeah. Um, I also want to make note that it actually takes seven to nine years to grow a seven to eight foot Christmas tree. So that's why they mentioned, you know, it's, it's harder to find a lot of trees because we're looking back to 2016 or 2008. Um, so that's kind of the, the area you know, that it takes to, to grow uh, mature trees mm -hmm. that can be harvested for, for Christmas time. They also mentioned that it's it's actually going to be a couple more years before everything kind of balances out. Okay. So so get out there early and get your Christmas tree. Yeah, I think that it's safe to know that mm -hmm. that's the thing to do. Don't, don't wait around for a Christmas tree. Um, they're definitely out there. Mm -hmm. It's not like we don't have any available. Yeah. Um, I was in New York City over the weekend. I saw Christmas trees available in the city. Yep. You know, there's places to buy them. Just don't wait. Mm -hmm. um, there are going to be some shortages. So plan for it. And yeah, you're going to pay more too. Yeah. So plan on those two things. Those are the definite things. Um, but I think the media does have some sensationalism. You know, they like to bring a little drama to the picture yep. and put a little fear in people. And yeah, so that did happen. You know, with all yeah. the articles that I found, um, there definitely was some sensationalism and yeah. drama. Makes sense why you see a lot more people switching to artificial the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah, that's true. You did, or you have a artificial yeah, tree. I do. So. Allergies don't help that at all, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So... What's your other article that you found? All right, so kind of an exciting one. Um, that there's actually some frogs that might be, coming, be overcoming extinction. Really? Yeah. That's cool. So what I found was that researchers, they were looking into one specific genus, the harlequin frogs, that might actually be defying odds. So they were believed that they, people thought they were going extinct many years ago, probably a couple decades ago. They stopped seeing them as often, so they, they're definitely endangered, but they thought they were just gone completely. Um, but it turns out about 32 of the species of the harlequin frogs actually didn't go fully extinct like they thought they did. So some researchers found that while they're still out there, I mean, 
they're still definitely endangered still, so we still need to be protecting them and everything. But story goes that actually a 12-year-old boy was out in his field, in his alfalfa field, and found one of these frogs and just kind of... If he wouldn't have known about it from a pastor talking to him about it, he wouldn't have really thought anything of this frog. But he saw this frog and they went and reported... He's reported that he found this frog and a bunch of researchers came out and were actually able to find it again. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to pop back up here. So, so they found new habitat? Is that um, kind of what it alludes to? I believe so. They're kind of expanding where they thought they would be found. Okay. So what actually was killing these frogs off back in the 1980s and so it wasn't all that long ago that they kind of started dying off it was a fungus that was actually getting them uh, the bd fungus it has very much a longer scientific name that i cannot pronounce um but it actually ended up killing off more than 500 species mm-hmm. of amphibians so it's actually quite exciting to see some maybe be pulling through this yeah it is so, it's a good happy ending it is yeah so, but they did note that we're definitely going to have to take some measures to make sure we protect them as much as possible. And they were thinking maybe they didn't go fully extinct, but some more like native people in the areas were actually protecting them without really saying anything. Good. Yeah. So kind of a happy ending here that might not be losing all our frogs like we thought. All right. So for my final story, I found maybe another sensationalism oh boy. story. I don't know. Uh, so, they mentioned in this article that pigeons transform into strange zombies. Oh, my. With twisted necks after a mysterious bird virus. Oh, boy. Um, so, it turns out the virus is called the paramoxiovirus. Um, it's known as PPMB, or Newcastle's disease. Okay. It's nothing new. Okay. So, um, they've seen it before. It's basically in birds. It stays in birds. Um, not necessarily can be transmitted to humans. That's good. Um, it did mention that if humans kind of handle these birds in some way, um, whether it's picking up a dead one or whatever, a pet pigeon that has the virus, um, you can get conjunctivitis. But that's all they've been seeing. So that's the good news. We're not going to turn into zombies. Excellent. <laughs> The other thing to note is um, it was found in the UK, so it's not in the US, okay. at least right now. So that's another good thing. So it spreads through feces, other secretions. Um, like I said, doesn't usually affect humans. If you if you do happen to notice a sick bird, the symptoms of the PPMV virus, you'll see neurological symptoms, violently twisted neck. Oh, um, you'll notice that one probably immediately. Uh, trembling wings, loss of appetite, green feces. Uh, the birds will be walking in circles. So it does look a little strange if you do see okay. one of these birds suffering from the virus. And they say eventual death. So, like I said, it's not in the U.S., not in Pennsylvania that they know of right now. But I will wrap it up with saying that if you see a sick wild bird, call the Game Commission. And if you see a domesticated bird that's sick, USDA, a okay. good place to reach out. Yeah. So, so that was my article. Again, a little bit of sensationalism, just because they mentioned the word zombie. I think yeah. that catches people's attention. But, um, like I said, it's not in the U.S. yet. Good. All right. Well, you got your joke ready? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. A little bit of a wintry, Christmassy one. Um, what do you call a snowman on vacation? 
I give up. A puddle. <laughs> yeah, good deal. And speaking of snowmen, um, we do have an event to mention. Salt Spring State Park on Saturday, December 17th. Uh, that's this Saturday coming up from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. We have a winter hike. And okay. they're calling it the winter snow hike. Um, so it looks like we're going to have some more snow to play in. And so they mentioned coming to hike and exploring the old growth hemlock trail. Uh, you'll get to see the falls and the beautiful winter landscape. So I don't know if you've ever been up there during the winter. I have not. Uh, it is. It's beautiful. I hate to repeat the word, but it, it is. Once it freezes over, it's amazing. So it's getting to the point where we're, we're having some you know, really cold nights. I'm sure there's some icicles starting to hang right now. Uh, they mentioned that they'll provide equipment, so snowshoes or ice cleats and poles, and that'll be for the first 15 participants. They say, wear your winter boots. There'll be basic instruction given to people new to the sport, and they'll be meeting at the Wheaton House and look forward to some hot chocolate after the hike. So always a good way to warm up. Yeah, and they do have the new footbridge up too, right? They do, yeah. I saw that too. So check that out when you're up there. One final thing to mention, in case of adverse weather conditions, they'll be rescheduling. So they mentioned that the best thing to do is check the website or Facebook for updates or rescheduling. Uh, the program fee is $5 a person, $15 for family, and Friends of Salt Spring State Park members, they're free. Sounds fun. Yeah, it does. So get out there and enjoy the, the winter landscape. All right. Um, I guess that does it for today's show. If you have any questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570-782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org. You can find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and ask questions, or you can make comments about the show. You've been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Devin Saylor. And I'm Don Hibbert saying, enjoy the outdoors. <laughs>